Here's something interesting for anyone who's ever struggled to decipher a text message, understand an emoji, or make sense of a meme, understanding the new rules of language. Hi there, I'm Chris Oaks. Welcome to the Here's Something Interesting podcast, where we talk to interesting people with interesting things to say about interesting subjects. And this is kind of a fun topic today, just about anyone who completed their education before the proliferation of social media and texting probably laments the fact that the English language seems to have been so seemingly butchered by these mobile devices. If you have ever puzzled over how to punctuate a text message or tried to decipher what emojis mean or wondered where memes come from, then you need this book. It is called Because Internet, Understanding the New Rules of Language from linguistics expert Gretchen McCulloch. And first off, Gretchen, this is important, I think, in terms of context. You point out that our language has always evolved based on the way people communicate. This is something that is not new and is certainly not unique to the Internet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't talk like Shakespeare anymore, and Shakespeare was actually writing in the vernacular of the time. Is that why some of those who get bent out of shape because of the grammatical style online, and I admit that I am sometimes one of those, is that why we get so infuriated because we're trying to filter this new communication through an old filter? You know, change is difficult. I get that it's hard uh, to adapt to new fashions, new foods, new uh, ways of talking, but language is alive. Culture is alive. As long as English is alive, it's going to keep changing. And your argument is that this is a good thing? This is a good thing. You know, there are proposals, philosophical proposals, to try to get a punctuation mark for sarcasm or for irony, dating back hundreds of years, and they never caught on. And yet the internet has made this happen. We have ways of communicating irony and writing, which I think is fantastic. So give us an example, like for exa- like we said, for anyone who's ever tried to decipher all of this, uh, this new style of writing, what, what indicates irony uh, online? What is the most popular way of doing that? There are a whole range of ways of doing that. I think that's what makes it so exciting. So you can use capital letters to indicate that you're giving something a sense of ironic importance. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can use scare quotes, which are fairly well known. One that I particularly like is use of the tilde to indicate such uh, an a wry tone of voice. <laughs> That's the little uh, squiggly uh, line that you that you see. So and, absolutely, and, I had to do my own audiobook, so I got to practice all of these out loud. <laughs> and and what's interesting about this is uh, again, and like I said, I am guilty of sometimes getting bent out of shape uh, when I see improper grammar, improper sentence structure, or something uh, online. And yet, I have engaged in some of those uh, modern styles of writing myself. So, you know, we sometimes have we've gotten to the point where sometimes we're doing it without even thinking about it. Exactly. And, you know, what our notions of what's proper or what's standard is just a collective agreement and collective agreements can change. It's not an internal truth. There's no, you know, God coming down and telling us, like, (laughs) here's what the language is. Everything is changing. Yeah. Uh, You also point out, and I thought this was really interesting, that the first exposure that a person had to electronic communication, uh, whatever that might have been, has a big impact on the way 
that same individual will communicate now, even if those platforms uh, change. If you go from emailing to texting to social media, what have you, whatever that first exposure you have, you say, uh, has a big impact on uh, the way you communicate now. Is that right? Yeah, and you can see it in things like uh, whether you put a nose in your emoticons. You know, do you put colon hyphen parenthesis or do you put just colon parenthesis? And this seems to be a generational divide with older people preferring the noses and younger people preferring the lack of noses. Uh, and it depends on where you were first hanging out online and what people were doing there. So what the what the book does then is uh, explain maybe kind of the history of uh, all of this and and then how to decipher those things that we see in modern internet writing? Yeah, exactly. So where did this stuff come from? A lot of it, interestingly, has precursors from before the internet. So people were using, for example, all caps to indicate shouting uh, for uh, you know, at least the past hundred years. We have records of it in diaries, in journals, in letters, uh, other kinds of informal writing uh, dating back to before the, the internet at all. So give us some other examples. You were mentioning a, a, a couple. What are some of the most fascinating ones uh, that, that you find that have really pushed the, the language forward and, and really uh, contributed to this evolution of language? One that I find really interesting is also the use of deliberate lowercase or all lowercase mm-hmm. to indicate a sort of muted or wry or deadpan sort of tone of voice or sense of humor, which is something that's been developing a lot more recently, uh, especially with the rise of the smartphone. So smartphones produce uh, automatic capitalization at the beginning of sentences, mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of, uh, of new lines. And because of this automaticity, it suddenly becomes harder to produce uh, lowercase. And that's when people start using lowercase for stylistic effect. So any suggestion this might be due to laziness or something is like, wait a second, you're going to extra effort to make it look like it's kind of lazy or anti-authoritarian or, you know, has this sort ah, of deadpan effect. That's interesting. It's really fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. Is that the same why, reason why you say that uh, to an extent, and this may surprise people, uh, things like autocorrect and such actually slow down this process of uh, linguistic evolution? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have your phone suggesting, you know, here's how you should spell this, mm-hmm. you know, when everything is handwritten, you're going to kind of spell things however you want, and maybe you go to the bother of going to the dictionary, but maybe you don't even uh, bother looking something up. Whereas when you have that sort of built-in authority that's trying to correct stuff, if you want to spell something, you know, in a creative way that's not in spell check, you're going to be fighting the, the phone or fighting your computer to be able to produce this. So in some ways, it can also standardize language more. Still, there must be some things that just drive you batty. I mean, I, I get the I get the changes involving punctuation, sentence structure, and and trying to uh, to express emotion uh, and such in a text form. I get that, uh, and those things evolve over time. Uh, and as you pointed out, even proper writers today would have been considered improper in the era of Shakespeare. So this has uh, long been evolving. But that that still doesn't excuse things like misspellings and the misuse of real words there and there uh, and, and run on sentences and that kind of thing. I mean, aren't there still some basics that have to apply I mean, I find that my life has gotten so much better. My blood pressure is better since (laughs) I stopped worrying about language. There are plenty of things to worry about in this day and age. You can worry about global warming, you know, but just language change isn't one of them. 
That is a a fair point. What about those who uh, advocate that or 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 would um, and, and most of these are like English professors and linguistic experts who say that all of this is well and good uh, in virtual communication, text message and social media and so on, but it doesn't apply or it shouldn't apply when we're talking about uh, formal writing, when you actually uh, write out a letter to someone or when you are uh, in business communication, because we've actually seen some of this evolution creep into more formal writing. Is that a good thing? One thing that I think is really interesting is that speech has had multiple genres for a long, long time. You know, some of our earliest records, things like the Iliad and the Odyssey and Beowulf, are actually records of oral poems. That's not how people talk like that. They didn't rhyme things in their ordinary conversations. Mm-hmm. But these epic poems show a different oratorical style. So speech has long supported having multiple genres. You can do a give a public speech in a way that's different from how you'd have a conversation with your friends. What we're seeing with internet writing is that the same thing can be true of the written medium. So you can have formal essays. You know, you don't even use exclamation marks in a formal essay, let sure. alone an emoji or something like that. Right. And that's still true because it's in, it's disembodied. But the informal genre, what we're really talking about is a, is a genre split. You might, you might learn how to do a public speech better, mm-hmm. um, and you can learn how to write an essay, but that's an artificial genre that you're doing for a very specific purpose. To that end, do you worry that there is so much focus and, and that uh, especially young people today spend so much time communicating in these informal ways that they are losing the ability to communicate formally in those uh, types of uh, formal language settings? Another way you could look at it, though, is that young people have so much practice crafting their messages to a particular intent. You know, if you're sending a message to some other teenager you have a crush on, you're going to put a lot of thought and effort into doing that and trying to make sure it's read exactly how you want it to be read. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately practice in writing that could stand you in good stead if you want to become a you know, novelist later and craft realistic dialogue. Uh, Again, it is a really fascinating examination of the uh, evolution of our language, how we got where we are today, and again, for those who have struggled to understand what all of these things mean, uh, when did you first become interested in kind of deciphering this and saying, you know what, Uh, there's really more to it than just, um, you know, funny looking emoji and a message and and uh you know strange punctuations in strange places or the lack thereof when did that suddenly uh come to you and say hey i think i can figure this out you know i like to say i can't really turn the linguist part of my brain off (laughs) you know as long as i've been interested in language i've been interested in the language that i see all around me whether that's talking to a friend and thinking oh you have an interesting vowel in that word how neat uh or whether that's being online so as long as i've been online and uh interested in language which is (laughs) pretty much uh as as long as i can remember in some cases uh i just yeah I've, i've always found it really interesting to analyze how we're using language in the especially mundane ways that we don't realize have hidden patterns. Fascinating examination of modern language because internet, understanding the new rules of language, linguistics expert uh, Gretchen McCulloch with us this morning. You have a website where folks can learn more about the book? Yes, people can go to GretchenMcCulloch.com or follow at Gretchen A. McSee on Twitter. Gretchen, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, and if you found this topic interesting, we can discuss it further on the Here's Something Interesting Facebook page at Something Interesting Podcast. Hope to meet up with you there. I'm Chris Oaks. And once again, if you enjoy the Here's Something Interesting podcast, invite you to like our Facebook page. Please share it with your friends that might find this stuff interesting as well. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. Until next time, thanks for listening.